Welcome to the Grace College Podcast, a ministry of Grace Bible Church located in College Station, Texas. We desire to impact students who will impact the world for Christ. Hope you enjoy the talk and hang around for more after. And, and grab a seat. Grab a seat. Well, howdy. Welcome, welcome. Thank you for braving the weather with us. How y'all feeling? Oh, man, this has been so, so fun. Lights are coming on in a second. Hey, if you have a Bible, jump to Acts chapter 17, and uh, I'll give you a little bit of a spiel on who I am and, and what we get to be a part of. Um, my name is Kevin Barra, and uh, this is my second year as college pastor here at Grace Southwood. Rookie season behind me, whole new opportunity in front of me, and so all the mistakes of last year will be fixed this year, so don't even worry about it. So hope you guys are doing well this morning, and, uh, and, and have a seat. If, uh, if you see, have some friends that are coming in, uh, you can have a table for them or, or a, a seat for them. You can do that. Um, man, I am excited about this semester. I hope you are. I'm going to read a little bit from Acts chapter 17, pray for us one more time, and then jump in. Acts chapter 17, starting in verse 16. It says this. Now, while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, his spirit was provoked within him, and he saw the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogues with the Jews and devout persons in the marketplace day every day with those who had happened to be there. So now some of the Epicureans and Stoic philosophers also conversed with him. And he said, what does this babbler wish to say? Others said, he seems to be preaching of foreign deities because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him to the Areopagus, saying, may we know what this new teaching is that you are preaching? For you bring some strange things to our ears. We wish to know, therefore, what these things mean. Now all the Athenians and foreigners who lived there would spend their time in nothing except hearing something new. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you so much for this morning. I thank you so much for the opportunity to, to gather together in worship. And we know, and even as Josh prayed, there's, there's families that are, are, are trapped, <laughs> that are in, in, in terrible circumstances, and our heart goes out for them. And I, I pray that um, for their safety, I pray that they would be, be helped quickly. The people that have lost water, power, and those, those types of things, I pray that um, it would be restored quickly and that your, your grace would be on them. And, um, but we thank you that we get to be in this place we get to worship together the God who is in control of all things, even the weather. We love you. Lift up this time to you. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Well, you've arrived at a new place. If you're class of 2021, you landed here and with excitement and exuberance, you have landed here. But if you are class of 2020, you, you know the game. You know what you're supposed to do. You know how to interact and move. But if you're class of uh, 2019, you really know what's up because you've, you've seen it and you know when your class is called. And if you were, I don't know, if you've been here on forever, your class of, I don't know, 2018. Oh, yeah. You know that these are the days that are so exciting because you're in this place. For those of you that are returning, you're like, I've been here. I know the demographics. I know where I'm going. I know where I'm living. I know who I'm living with. I know how to navigate the crazy Southwood parking and water fields um, as, as you work your way here. But others of you, this is a totally new place. 
This is a totally new environment. And I remember the first time I moved to College Station, I was just confused. I didn't know where anything was. I grew up in the big city. I grew up in Houston. And okay, there we are. And, uh, and I grew up in Houston and I kind of knew how to navigate Houston cities, right? Because there's major freeways, major thoroughfares. And back in the day, we didn't have an app to, you know, describe where you need to go. They didn't have Google, Google Map, Google Earth, anything like that. So, so we had physical maps or a dad telling you, this is how you get there. Take a right there, left there, and that's how you get there. But when I moved to College Station for the first time back forever ago, um, when I got here, everyone described where things were based on where things used to be. It was completely weird. And so I'd be like, I need to go to Half Price Books. Can you tell me how to get there? And they're like, yeah, yeah. It's over by where Albertsons used to be. You know, because Albertsons went out of business and they're no longer here. And so if you go by where Albertsons used to be, you can go find it. I'm like, wait a minute. In order to get to the place I want to go, and I'm just here, I have to know where another place was that no longer is there. You realize this is a little bit challenging to navigate directions this way, but that was constant all the time. They'd always reference, here's how you get there. You need to know where something used to be to get to the next place. And, and the same thing is going to happen with you freshmen. You're going to be tomorrow in galoshes and gear and umbrella and map in hand, getting soaked, going, what am I going to do? And trying to get your way to different classes, trying to figure out your way. And you're going to see a seasoned veteran, like a junior, right? Over there on the side, he's going to have like a full beard. That's how you know he's been here for a while. Like he's, 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 he's run the course a couple times. Like he just knows and he's just kind of sitting there chilling on the side and got his umbrella, got his galoshes or maybe just chacos. Like he's just super tough, you know, just like chacos and, and shorts. And he's just standing there and, and you walk up confused, you know, lost going, um, excuse me, sir. Whoop. Um, do, uh, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. Um, uh, do, should, uh, can you help me find this building? And he's like, he's like, let me see, which one? Okay, yeah, it's over in the engineering block, past the way, past the commons, you're just gonna walk that way and you'll find it over there. And you're like, you just referenced five other buildings that I don't know about and I don't know how to navigate towards, but that's your reality. That's what's gonna happen tomorrow as you run your different places. How do I get there? And it will be some other reference that you also don't get to how to navigate to this new place. And the reason I tell you that is because every one of us is looking for directions. We're looking for somewhere to go. There's, there's something you're trying to align your life behind and you're hoping that when you ask the right questions, when you meet the right person, they can point you to the place you ultimately wanna go. And that's why you came to A&M, Right? I mean, that's literally why you came to this university. You hope to meet the right professors, the right connections to lead you in the direction you want to go. So some of you are engineers. All right. One or two of you excited about being engineers? And you're hoping that by pursuing that program, by being around those people, you're going to meet the right people, have the right interactions, and they're going to shape your destiny. You're going to get to the place you ultimately want to go. Some of you are more liberal arts folks. Oh yeah, uh-huh. I was liberal arts folk, okay. And, and you're gonna hope that they get you a career uh, through your liberal arts programs and, um, or you're gonna be in ministry. And, uh, <laughs> and I don't know, but you, you are chasing a degree, chasing a hope that when you pursue this path, you can ultimately land where you want to land. You chose A&M. You chose a major. Some of you this year, you are going to choose the one. They might even be at your table. No, no pressure. 
You're going to find someone, and everyone, as we chase these life directions, we hope to get to the destination we most want to arrive at. But I'll tell you this. you got to know your starting point, and you've got to know where you're going. But there's something you might miss in all of these things that you're chasing. You might miss the reason that you're here. You may go to all the right classes. You may go to all of the right places. You may meet all of the right people, but still miss the ultimate reason why you're here. And over these first four weeks, we want to talk about that. What is the real reason you're here? Do you, should you get an education? Yes, you need to get an education. You need to go to class, even tomorrow, right? Should you, should you meet friends? Yeah, you should make amazing friends. But more than anything else, what you need to meet in your time here in College Station is the creator of the universe, God. And if you get connected with everything, yet you miss that thing, you've missed the starting point that matters most. And you've lined your life around something that's, that's going to fall. And the reason I picked this text to jump off this sermon series and this beginning of the semester is because I want us, us to start the right place. I want us to have a starting point with God. And I'll tell you what, there's a culture of confusion out there. There's a lot of misunderstanding about who God is and what he is like and what he really wants. We live in the midst of a culture of confusion. In Acts chapter 16, we see Paul walking into Athens, Greece, and he sees a very confused culture. Now, Athens was a major philosophical center of their day. I mean, it was produced some of the greatest philosophers. You've probably read Aristotle, Plato, those types of people. They all had their roots, beginnings in Athens, Greece. And at the point in time when Paul arrives in Athens, there's two major philosophies that everyone uh, believes in or have the, the highest um, attendance as they, as they speak. And it's the Epicureans and the Stoics. But there's also this other entirely different religious system arriving there. They literally have idols across the entire city. Idols to everything. It says when he walked there, he, he saw literally his, the city that was full of idols. The word full there couldn't literally mean it. There was a lot of them. But it could also mean this, that they were weighed down by the, by the weight of these idols. Literally, they were a city that was weighed down by idols. Now, what's an idol? I mean, what's the big deal? Well, in this culture, what they had was a God for every need and therefore an idol for every God. They had a God for every need and therefore an idol for every God. And the two major philosophies, they, they, they were trying to show you how do you navigate the gods? How do you navigate life? The Epicureans, they believed that pleasure was the goal. So live your life for, for pleasure, for, for enjoying your relationships, for enjoying good coffee, right? So just live your life for the purpose of pleasure. But the Stoics believed that this, that, that the goal in life was to, to discipline yourself, to overcome all of the obstacles by, by rote discipline. They lived in a culture that was filled with idols, all trying to say, this is how you find joy in life. This is how you find meaning in life. This is the direction you need to go in life. And we live in a culture filled with idols. You're like, Kevin, I don't have any idols. Like, I'm, I'm American, right? I mean, I mean, maybe if we went over to India, we remember we went to some of these other nations, we'd, we'd actually see the idols that were present. But, but we have idols, and our idols are, are a little more subtle. Frederick Nietzsche, in his book, the Twilight of Idols wrote this, 
there are more idols in the world than there are realities. Frederick Nietzsche, atheist, says, There's, this world is filled with idols. See, in, in, in ancient Greece, they believed that the different gods could meet different needs. So there was Aphrodite. She was the goddess of beauty. So if you wanted to be beautiful, just, just make some sacrifices to Aphrodite and, and maybe that she would make you beautiful, make you find love. There was Ares. He was the god of war. So if you're going to go out to battle, you go make a sacrifice to Ares and, and maybe he'll give you success in that venture. There was Artemis, the goddess of fertility. You kind of know what that's about, right? There was even a god called Bacchus and he was the god of parties, right? So if you wanted to throw a good party for that guys later on, you would go, you know, sacrifice to Bacchus so that your party would be epic. And Tim Keller writes this. We may not physically kneel before the statue of Aphrodite, but many young women today are driven to, into depression and eating disorders by an obsessive concern with their body image. We may not actually burn incense to Artemis, but when money and career are raised to cosmic proportions, we perform a kind of child sacrifice, neglecting our family and community to achieve a higher place in business and gain more wealth and prestige. See, we still have idols. We just sacrifice in different ways. And you, whether you realize it or not, you're on the cusp of an entirely new generation. There are all sorts of books written about you and you're like, Kevin, are we millennial two point? No, we're not millennials anymore. Believe it or not, you are part of Generation Z, the majority of you. If you're born from 1995 to 2010, you are classified as an entirely new generation. So for many of you, you are, you are part of this new, the beginning of this new generation where we don't know how technology, how culture is shaping you. And so we're studying you. You are gonna be part of social experiments all through college where they're trying to figure out what are you like? And some of the things that they've come are, are very interesting. You are Wi-Fi enabled, right? Everyone has a smartphone. Anyone? If you do not have a smartphone, I'm so sorry but most all of you have a smartphone and you are constantly connected. But what's so interesting in that constant connection, it hasn't necessarily led to greater freedom, even though that's the highest value. The highest value of this generation is freedom. But what's so interesting, one 16 year old girl back in 2015 said this, we filter whatever flaws we have to create the ideal image. And so that's how we use Facebook. That's how we use Instagram. That's how we use all of our technology. We, we want to we put out the perfect image so that people will think that we're okay. We saw the mistakes of the millennials. And so we're not going to put out the bad things. We're not going to put ourselves at that party or do that thing. But we, we want to put out the perfect picture so that we feel okay. We are, we are driven to the idol of socialism, of the socialite. Like, I want to be perfect in front of these people. I want to be seen perfect in this environment. And I so fear missing out. And what's so interesting is that it hasn't led you to go out. Dating statistics, this is really interesting. 85% of high school seniors in the 1970s went on dates. Today, less than 50% of high school seniors have ever been on a date. They stay home with their parents, even though they have the freedom to leave. It's so interesting. They're spending so much time on social media. And what it hasn't led to is the simple thing that we're all hoping social media will produce, happiness. One writer, Jen Twingy, wrote, wrote this. She said, it could not be clearer. 
Surveys have found that spending more time on social media and other screen activities correlates strongly with lower levels of happiness and higher feelings of loneliness, levels of depression, and the risk of suicide. The fear of missing out is removing all fun from people's lives. It's fascinating. We, in the midst of wanting to be connected, we find ourselves more and more disconnected from one another, but not just from one another, from God. One of the most interesting stats about the newest generation, Generation Z, is simply this, that there is a post-Christian view. There's a view of, I, 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 need, I don't need God. I, I need to be distant from God. I need to find my own way. So I'm not going to be as engaged in church or engaged with Christian community, which is, which is striking because I don't think this is the norm in most places with your age demographic. People are, are distancing themselves from God and they're disconnected from one another and they're disconnected from God. And I think those are the roots while people are feeling more and more depressed and searching for more and more ways to bring life and hope and peace. And you won't find it there. And in this moment of confusion, looking for a connection, Paul steps up to bring clarity. He stands up. They're looking for something new to hear. They're looking for some hope. And he brings clarity in this moment. Verse 22, it says this, so Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus and said, men of Athens, I observe that you are very religious in all respects. For while I was passing through and examining the objects of your worship, I also found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. Therefore, what you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you. Isn't this fascinating? They had gods to everything, and yet they had one statue over here that basically said, unknown. It was like they had all of these connections, but they realized that I'm still not meeting all of my needs. There's still something that I'm still missing. And Paul isolates that thing and says, look, I'm going to talk about that one. Because you've chased everything, but you've missed the one thing that matters most, the God of the universe. And I want to tell you about him. See, there's one God over all things. Verse 24, the God who made the world and all things is in it, since he is the Lord of heaven and on earth, and he doesn't dwell in temples made with hands, which means we can't control him. See, the reason you built temples, the reason you built idols was so that you would have a God that you could control and confine. But he says, look, there's one God and he created everything. So you can't control him. He is the creator. But not only that, he's a giver. Verse 25 says this. Now, he is not served by human hands as though he needed anything. Since he himself gives to all people life and breath and everything. I want you to take a moment right now. What is the picture of God that you have? If someone was to ask you to sit you down across, from lunch and, uh, across at lunch and say, hey, what is God like to you? What, what would you say? Would you say like he, he's a tyrant? He's someone that just has his way and, and he needs me to obey that way. Or is he like an old man, like watching and, and waiting for you to mess up? And so like, if ever you blow it, you know, he's just there with lightning bolts, just ready to toss them at you. Several years ago, there's a, an app that came out called it, Pocket God. Anyone play this game? Yeah, I didn't, didn't figure you did. Um, it's hilarious, okay? Here's the tagline, if you want to ever play the game. It says this, what, what kind of God would you be? Benevolent or vengeful? Pocket God. <laughs> play Pocket God and discover the answer within yourself. Huh. On a remote island, you are an all-powerful God ruling over simple natives. You can bring new life 
and take it away just as quickly. Exercise your power by lifting your subjects in the air, altering gravity, striking them. Like there's all sorts of things you can do as pocket God. And it's absolutely hilarious. And, and you actually can't even do anything nice to the people. Like, I mean, you can kind of give them coconuts. I think that's about the only thing you can do. But then the rest of the time, like you can set them aflame. You can just like pick them up in the air. We'll watch them scream and fall. And, 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 and you watch like these little people. And after I played it for a little while, I was like, I just feel really sadistic, like playing, <laughs> playing this game. And, and as I look at that, I'm like, that actually is the image that most people have of God. I mean, if God really exists, then maybe he's just vengeful, or maybe he's just flippant in how he runs things. See, the Greeks, Greeks saw gods as something to placate. I've got to do the right thing for him to, to do the right thing for me. I've got to behave the right way to get his blessings. Muslims believe the same thing. They believe it's all within Allah's will. So if Allah wills it, it'll happen. And if he doesn't, this also is part of Allah's will. And, and whether it's good or pain, God, Allah dishes it out based on his whims on the world. But Christianity is different. Christianity is unique. See, Christianity is based on grace, a God that gives. Not based on what you deserve, but based on his love. You see, there's one God. He is creator and he's a giver. And he created you. Verse 26 says it this way. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation. I love that. He created you purposefully. And he knew the times you would live. He knew when you would live. He knew the dates of your birth and your death. And he knows the boundaries of your habitation. He knows the location that you live, which means this. You have a place and you have a purpose because of created intent. You have a place and a purpose. He put you here. You may not know why you're at Southwood here on Sunday morning, but God does. You might not know why you're, what you're supposed to do this year, but God does. You may not know the people that you're supposed to interact with, but God does. He placed you here on purpose. He determined the boundaries of your habitation. You see, in every question you face in life is trying to get an answer to this question. Do I have a place and do I have a purpose? Am I supposed to be here? And do I have a meaningful place within here? It's why you choose your major, right? I mean, what do you pick a major at? You, you pick a major that you can win at, right? So... Hopefully you can succeed. So you drop out of engineering and then you pick liberal arts, right? So I'm joking. I mean, whatever. And you're like, I want to win it, but, but not just do I want to win it. I, I want to find a place within it. I, I want to find a purpose within it. And then you're going to graduate. Seniors, you're going to graduate and you're going to go, where am I going to live next? What am I going to do next? Am I going to have a job? And am I going to have friends? And, and what am I going to do in that place? But, but bigger than that, you're asking these questions. Am I valuable? Am I important? Do I have a place and a purpose here? And here's the problem. Every evaluation you make based on place and purpose on an individual, for most of the people you interact with in life, is based on performance. So are you worthwhile? Well, how did you do? Can you go to A&M? Let's look at your SAT. Let's look at your ACT. Let's look at your class rank. Let's look at your involvement, right? And based on that collaboration of ideas. We determine your value and whether or not you have a place here. That's how jobs are going to work. You're going to get it. Well, you want a career? Like, what's your GPA? 
What's your involvement? And will you be a good fit within this company? It's all based on performance. Athletics. It's going to happen this year. You're going to go out and watch Aggie football. Three of you are going to love it. And you're going to go to those games and you're going to watch those guys play. And you, right now, you have so many great hopes. You're like, this year, I mean, we're going to go to the national championship. I mean, we're going to take down Bama and Clemson and everyone else because we go to Texas A&M, people, right? That's right. And you're going to be like, we're going to do something great. And, and you go to those games and, and, and if they don't win by enough, like I'll just put in that category, if they don't win by enough, you're going to be disappointed, right? You're going to be a little bit heartbroken. And then you're going to look at those players. You're going to see them in class. You're going to go see them through, walk through the halls. And you're going to be like, yeah, dude, he's not that good. Like, okay, he's 6'8 and 320. You're 5'10, 150. Like, please do not tell me that guy's not that good. But you will evaluate those individuals based on how they perform in that moment. And, and, and what's even worse, and it, it can creep, it creeps into me, it can creep into you. You may evaluate them as a person based on their performance. And that is, is a terrifying weight to live under. You see, it's, it's, it, you feel like we have so much freedom, but if we're not careful, you'll live your life performing, listening to the next person clapping, hoping that they care about you. I was watching a Netflix um, special by a guy named Bo Burnham. He's a comedian, a couple fans. Uh, a lot of clean language coming out of that guy. Uh, not at all. Um, but he, in his, his last... Um, stand-up routine. He comes to the end of it. He's got songs and comedy. It's, it's, it's entertaining. And, and it, it gets to the end of it. He has this kind of emotional kind of opening of his heart. And as he's sitting there, he, he says, I want you to turn the lights up and I just want to have a, a moment right now. And he says to him this. He says, I look at the young people, you know, and feel like I was born in 1990 and I was, I was sort of raised in America when it was the cult of self-expression. I was taught you know, express myself and have things to say and everyone will care about them. And I think everyone was taught that. And most of us found that no one cares. He says it differently, but no one cares what we think. So we flock to the performers by the thousands because we were the few that have found an audience. And then I'm supposed to get up here and say to you, follow your dreams as if this was a meritocracy. It's not. I lived a privileged life, privileged life and I got lucky and I'm unhappy. And what's tragic is that the name of his, of his show was Make Happy. And this moment of vulnerability in the middle of his show, he says, all of this work hasn't made me happy. All of this success has left me unhappy. And I look at that and I go, that's so tragic that we would chase all of these things on performance, but find ourselves so empty. They says, God created you. That means you have a place with him. That means you have a purpose with him. And when it's because it's by the creator, it means you can't lose it. And it doesn't matter where the spotlight goes. It doesn't matter who's clapping. God says, I created you. I love you. You have value because you're mine, not because of what you do. So not only does he create you, thirdly, he created you to connect with you. Verse 27 says this. 
created them, appointed their boundaries, that they would seek God if perhaps they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. See, God isn't hiding from you. He's not distant from you. I got four young kids, seven-year-old daughter named Peyton, a six year, almost six-year-old son named Micah, a four-year-old son named Jesse, so seven, six, four, and a 20-month-old uh, daughter named Juliet. Did I get them straight? Those are my children. Um, you'll see them running around here later. And, uh, and they're awesome, and they love to play hide-and-seek. And, uh, but here's the funny part. Because they're so young, they don't really like to play hide-and-seek. So they like to play hide-and-find, which means if daddy really hides, like sometimes I try to up the game, like, kids, you're young, but you got to learn, Right? And so like, sometimes I really hide and I get in a really good hiding spot. Like I'll be in the closet behind clothing, you know, like really hiding. And they, it starts fun. Ha <laughs> ha, daddy's hiding, daddy's hiding. Ha <laughs> ha, where's daddy? Where's daddy? And then the four of them are like in a, the fetal position in the middle of the living room going, daddy's hiding. We don't know where daddy, and they're like freaking out, like screaming, like going, where's daddy? He left, he left us. And I'm like, hey, hey, like I'm right here. Like I was in the coat closet, like right there. Like I heard y'all crying the whole time. Why didn't you come out? We were playing hide and seek. And I look at that and I'm like, ah, oh, I think so much of us are like that. Like our kids, my, my kids. We're like, God, I don't know if you're real, man. You didn't show up. God, I don't know if you're even listening to me. You didn't even show up. And God's like, look, I, I, I created you and I placed you. And I placed you there that you would reach for me and find me. And I'm not far from you. I'm not running away from you. I love you so much. I created you to connect with me at a deep, meaningful level. I love you. He created you to connect with him. There's a book um, one of the girls on staff gave me. It's called You Are Special. A couple fans. So I don't cry uh, at children's books. Um... But I, I will say this, she gave it to me and I went home that night, this was last semester, and I sat down and we always read uh, books with my kids uh, at night. And so I'm sitting there, I've got my, my four kids right there and, and I'm like, hey, I got a new book I wanna try out with you guys. And I, and I start reading the book to them. And if you don't know the story, it's, it's basically a, a community of people called the Wimwicks and they were created by a guy named Eli. He's the God figure, okay? Wimwicks are like us. And he says, all, all day long, the Wimwicks run around and they give each other spots or stars. Stars when they do something great, spots when they do something bad. And there was one Wimwick, a guy named Punchinillo, who, yeah, basically got punched in the face, um, that only got dots, never got stars. And so he began just kind of wandering around being like, I guess I'm just not a good Wimwick. I'm not a good person because everyone just gives me dots and I never get the stars. And then he meets this one girl that says, that doesn't have any spots or any stars on her. He's like, why don't, why don't you have any marks? And she's like, uh, I don't really care what the people think. And he's like, she goes, well, why don't you go visit Eli? And he's like, who's Eli? Well, he made all of us. Why, why, why don't you go talk with him? And then he goes and visits him and he says this. Now Eli stooped down and picked him up and set him on a bench. Hmm. The maker spoke thoughtfully and he looked at all the gray dots Looks like you've been given a lot of bad marks. I didn't mean to, Eli. I, I tried really hard. Oh, you don't have to defend yourself to me, child. I don't care what the Wimwicks think. You don't? No. And you shouldn't either. Who are they to give you stars or dots? They're Wimwicks just like you. 
What they think doesn't matter, Punchinello. All that matters is what I think. And I think you're pretty special. Punchinello laughed, me? Special? Why? I, I can't walk fast. I can't jump. My paint is peeling. Why do I matter to you? Eli looked at Punchinello, put his hands on his small wooden shoulders and spoke very slowly. Because you're mine. That's why you matter to me. Now, Punchinello had never had anyone look at him like this, much less his maker. And he didn't know what to say. And he walked away, and he said, maybe there is something to this. And one of the spots fell off. And I'm there with my four little kids. I'm like, okay, guys, I think it's bedtime. (laughs) Because it's this perfect picture. If you know the creator and you know his desire to connect with you, you can't help but melt because he loves you and he came for you. You see, he put us in this place that we might find him. But there's something else that we've got to know, that he sent his son as your rescuer for us. Verse 28 says, for we live and move And even as some of your own prophets have said, for we are his children. And we ought not to think about God as the divine nature as gold or silver or stones. But he sent his son. He overlooked the times of ignorance and he's declaring now that all men must repent because he has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he appointed, having furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead. He says this, you come to me, but you know the son I sent for you. See, God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to live the perfect life we could not live, to die the death we deserve to die, to bridge the gap in our relationships that you might know God and know this creator who has a plan and a purpose for you. So what's the response? Well, they respond in three ways. Some of them jeered. When they heard the resurrection of the dead, some of them began to sneer, saying, we shall, they began to sneer at him. Another said, we want to hear some more about this. Some of them were curious. But some of the men joined him, believed, and walked with him. See, there's three responses that we see in this moment. There were some that were contentious. They were fighting against it. There were some that were curious. I want to learn a little bit more. And there were some that were converted. They literally believed. I want to know that God through that son. And the responses are the same for us. There's some that you are contentious. You're like, okay, I knew this Christian thing was a little bit awkward. And you read us a children's book. Okay, okay. Some of you are curious. You're going, okay, I want, I want, to, I want to hear a little bit more about this. And some of you are committed. You're ready to jump in. I hope you gather this from our time. We want you here. We have a place for you. We value you. We want grace to be your home. We want you to know the creator of all things. We want you to be in relationships of people that deeply love you and want to help you know him and live a purpose in life that is bigger than whatever you can live for yourself. So I pray, my hope, is that you would connect with us. You may wonder, 
why you have adults at your table. Those are table hosts. These are folks that are families from this community that have said, you know what? I have a heart for college students. I want to love on college students. I want to give my life for college students. And that's why they're here. They want to know you. They want to connect with you. And they want you to know your maker. That's why they're here. What we're doing at this point in our time together, we'll do this each week, is we divide for discussion at our tables. Those folks are going to take the, the point and lead it. You also see some people with uh, shirts uh, that say Grace College on them. Those are leaders. They lead small groups that meet in a variety of areas on campus. They meet um, off campus, on campus, lead major specific, non-major specific. They are at your table purposefully. Why? Because we want to connect you relationally. No, you got a place, and we want to connect you with God, and that's why they're there at this table. So if you have any question about how to get connected with a small group, if you have any question about how to get more connected to this church, those folks are there at your table to help you. Let me pray for us, and then you can turn to discussion. Lord, thank you so much for this morning. And Lord, we thank you so much that you created us and that you love us. You created us for a purpose. You've given us a place. There is one God, and you made us on this earth, and you long to connect with us relationally, which is so unique. I pray that we would not miss this moment that we would come to know you, Jesus, if we haven't met you yet. And Lord, through the relationships we build at these tables, through these leaders, these table hosts, that you would help us to connect more deeply with one another and know that we're not alone. We've got a place here with you and with one another. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. You guys turn to your table and have some good discussion.